The chaos continues at Canadian airports, and it is impacting you know people's decision whether or not they want to fly, whether they want to go anywhere. People are ticked off about it. So what's really to blame about all of it? Well, uh, some new research suggests that, hey, you know what? It might be just you and me. I mean it, and I'm not talking about the the chucklehead who you know puts a bullet you know belt on a belt made out of bullets and like, what do you mean I can't take this one? What do you mean? Not that. I'm talking about the fact that we've all kind of got addicted to incredibly low-cost flying, the ability to go anywhere around the world for relatively cheap. And you think about how those prices have come down. I mean, it's still expensive, yes, but it has come down significantly over the number of decades. And maybe it was just the fact that we all got used to it being cheap is the fact that we got hooked on that, and now we have to recalibrate our expectations about what it is going to cost us to actually go through an airport and fly somewhere. My next, my next guest is Dr. Ashley Nunes, who's a research fellow at Harvard Law School and looked into this. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So what is it about cheap airfares that we sort of got used to pre-pandemic that I think we have to change our idea about now? Well, who doesn't love a deal, right? You know, gone are the days when Canadians had to pay relatively hefty amounts of money to get from coast to coast. Certainly with the rise of carriers like Flair and Sunwing, Canadians are flying from coast to coast, spending as little money as possible. But all those deals come at a price. You know, workers are being squeezed. The amount of money they have made over the past couple of years has gone down in real terms. And what the pandemic has shown is how discontent many of those workers are in those jobs. And the pandemic effectively gave them an opportunity to do something else and to realize they were happier or are happier doing something else. And there's no putting this genie back in the bottle because you still need human capital. You need people to be able to do these jobs in terms of baggage handling, security. And to your, to your mind, it's, that's where the linchpin and all the chaos in the airports is. That's where it stems from. Very much so. It's important to remember that while we need these individuals to stop these positions, we also need to pay them a living wage. Now, what a living wage is and whether or not these workers are content with that wage is something that the market itself presumably is signaling that there is a disconnect. So the market will out. Do you see it as a temporary measure that the market now uh, will demand higher wages and those wages will then be passed on to travelers. Is that a temporary situation once we get back to full capacity again? I think as a first order effect, it is invariable that prices will go up. Whether or not prices stay up depends on how much competition there is in the market. Typically, when there's more competition, prices go down. So, you know, I think that really remains to be seen. Um, what we can say definitively is that in the next year or two, consumers should expect air travel prices to rise significantly, not the least of, um, you know, which is because we are seeing upward prices, excuse me, upward pressure on oil prices, which, of course, impacts ticket fares. 
Right. I think people would be more willing to accept higher fares if they felt that the chaos would be eliminated or taken care of. But do you have a sense that higher fares are actually going to translate into a smoother flying experience? I think that it can, over time, translate into a smoother flying experience. But the key part of my statement there is over time. If airlines were to turn around today and, for example, double what airport workers and airline workers are getting paid, we would still expect it to take time um, for that to translate into a better deal for consumers. What do you think the future is in terms of, give me six months, give me two years in terms of the flying experience? Well, I think... Canadians, once again, are getting a better deal than our predecessors did. Certainly, uh, during the times of deregulation, we are faring a lot better. But airlines have gotten very smart at unbundling fares, presumably charging us for exactly what we want. I think Canadians have for too long sort of tried to think that we can have our cake and eat it too. Over the next six months or so, I think it is invariable once again that prices go up. Whether or not they stay up over the next two years will depend to some extent on geopolitical events, certainly the situation currently in the Ukraine and Sri Lanka. But it will also depend on the extent to which workers in the aviation industry believe they can get a better deal elsewhere. If a line worker at Toronto Pearson, for example, comes out thinking that they fare better driving for Uber, you know, um, chances are they're going to drive for Uber. And what that will do is it will create an imbalance between you know, supply and demand um, and result in more misery for passengers in the months and years ahead. Ashley, great to talk to you. Appreciate your time today. Thank you. Dr. Ashley Nunes is a research fellow at Harvard Law School. Might we never go back to way, the way we had it before? Remember, we would all just complain about how terrible air you know, flying was. Oh, it was just awful. They make you take off your belt. <laughs> you have to take off your shoes. It's just dehumanizing. And, and now I think a lot of us would be like, I, I take that back in a heartbeat. I'd take that heart, back in a heartbeat if I didn't have to stand in this line for four hours and wonder where my luggage is and my flight's been canceled and all the rest. 